you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. All right, we made it, Bruce. Episode two. All right. Life After Addiction. Man, today we're going to talk about the problem and the solution, and we're going to get to an audience question. Uh, So today, let's talk about the problem. Bruce, what's the problem? When it comes to addiction, what's the problem? Why is it killing so many people? Why are so many people addicted to drugs, alcohol, porn, anything, you name it? Hmm. Why is this a problem in our country? Well, I think we have to look at the reason why we're searching these things. And, and I mean, it, doing what we do, Adam, <laughs> working with guys in, in recovery, uh, and just the fact that we've gone through it ourselves, we, we know, we see a consistency in that there's something always underlying behind uh, why we're using drugs and alcohol or even porn or something that it's it's fulfilling a hole. Uh, so there's, there's something deeper going on than than just uh, the the desire to use drugs and alcohol. And so whether it's trauma, whether it's feelings from that, whether it's uh, abuse, whether uh, whether I feel like I'm, I don't have a sense of belonging, I don't feel accepted, uh, I have to mask feelings that I have or worries or fears. I mean, these are the reasons why people are seeking out these things. Uh, and so when a person becomes addicted, they, they're now using this as a crutch to, to fill the holes in those things that, that make them feel better. So what ends up happening is it's a lie, right? It's a temporary solution that we later find out is a, it takes a lot more effort to feed. It, it starts causing problems in our life. And the initial uh, thought of, hey, this is the thing that's going to fix me ends up being the thing that actually breaks you and so uh, that's the problem. That when we start looking at addiction, we have to look at why these things are happening, not uh, the drugs themselves. And we can we can spend a whole episode on blaming doctors, pharmacists, uh, uh, you know, the the government on why these things are allowed. But in the end, it's these things are always going to be available to us. It, the, the problem is that why we're we're choosing to use them. Yeah, and I would take that even from a, a biblical worldview. The problem. Uh, is is at the heart, right? Yeah. It's not the mind. It's not the will. It's not behavior modification. It's the heart, and it's a, a wicked heart, a broken heart. And uh, from the Bible, I think that would easily be be defined as as in the garden in Genesis uh, when the fall happened and separation, sin entered the world, and separation mm-hmm. happened. Uh, and we we live in a fallen world, and so. When we try to do things or feel things or be things that aren't bringing God glory or aren't designed to bring, uh, then devastation happens, and you see addiction and all these things. Yeah, yeah, I would, uh, you know, I would go so far as to say we weren't designed. Like our Creator didn't design us in a way that we can tolerate life without Him. And so we're constantly seeking something to fill that void when we're not searching for him. And so I love the way Jeff Durbin says it, and it's it's just basically idolatry. Mm. So addiction is idolatry. We're just seeking something to fill a hole that was meant to be filled by God. Absolutely. And so so we're not going to—again, we could spend episodes on different things— 
uh, about, and, and I believe maybe we will talk about some politics and some reasons why we're this nation is where it is in the yeah. response. But yet, yeah, just the problem, it's there. Um, that's why that's why we we are so at S two L Recovery, the the facility that Bruce and I have been called to lead. Uh, the usher men into freedom. That's why we say it's the heart. It's, it's, don't white knuckle it. Don't try to. We are so against behavior modification. Mm-hmm. If I just do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, then I'll be fine. But I really won't be fine. I'll just be in remission. As long as I do these things, I'll always. And that's not. I don't want to get into that. But that's not the problem nor the answer. The problem is the mm-hmm. heart. And man, someone who doesn't struggle with addiction. Uh, to chemicals, someone who doesn't struggle with addiction to lust, someone who doesn't struggle with the classic addictions, they're still struggling. And now, whether they're they're working, you know, their their work is their god, or some people's kids are their god, and it always it'll end badly, you know. Well, and I'd like to say something about for somebody who might say, well, you know, I didn't plan on getting addicted. It was because I got on these prescription medications, and then I mm. became addicted, and then I didn't know how to get off of it. But there's been studies that have proven that have debunked the idea that that anybody who goes to a hospital or takes these types of addictive medications, they will be addicted over a period of time. That just simply isn't true. There are tons of people who take medication that is addictive that just simply t- stop taking it once the, they don't need to anymore. And so there's there's something more underlining there on why a person becomes addicted and stays addicted because uh, it's just not simply you can't just blame it on the drug itself, right? Yeah, and, and again, I, I'm just trying to look at some of our dockets for future episodes. Man, we do. We're going to talk about the politics. We're going to talk about how it's not behavior modification and how the heart changes. But uh, the problem is clear. It's loud. And man, and, and we're we're recording here in Middle Tennessee and in the state of Tennessee, one thousand six hundred and thirty-one people died to drug overdose. And that's the most current stats we have, but that's 2016. That's almost two years old. Yeah. And that's one state. That's one state. And the number in that state isn't even accurate. I'm very confident just based on being in this industry, Bruce, I'm very confident that that is low, very low. The nation, the nationwide numbers was 64,000. Again, 2016, again, very low, I feel. But that's the official. That's 175 people every day dying. That was one year, that number, by the way. One year. And just that that number surpasses how many people died in the Vietnam era. I mean, it's just incredible. Like, the whole era of that war. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and actuality, again, I believe these numbers are low. Uh, the, the system for gathering these statistics has to change because it, it can't be viewed as numbers or statistics. These are people's lives. Uh, but – 64,000 based on the 2015 top 10 causes of death in the U.S. At 64,000, it would be number seven. Wow. Number seven. So it is a problem and it is a wake up call in this nation. And I believe people are starting to take notice because it's, it's like a jumbo jet crashing every day and 175 people dying. We've got to take notice. Uh, and if you haven't, if people haven't started taking notice, they soon will. Reason now, being. Can you imagine like, Waking up every morning and tuning into the news and finding out that a jumbo jet crashed and everybody died, no survivors, and that happened every single morning. I mean, imagine what people would do. They'd be crying out to their governors and their 
politicians to make some kind of change in this nation, uh, at least in the aviation part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and why we're just okay with these types of alarming numbers of people dying. Uh, is it because, Adam, is it because it's drugs and people just say, oh, well, that's their own fault? Is that why they're doing it? Uh, I don't know, because I feel like the stigma has a lot to do with sure. why we're not sure. answering these problems. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and And the answer to your question, which you answered it, but Absolutely. The way that we did air travel would radically change in a very short amount of time. And it wouldn't even be a year of of a plane crashing every day. If a plane crashed every single day in this country and 175 people died for a month straight, radical change would take place because people would take notice. So that's the problem. Now, the solution. Now, now Bruce and I both have heard many people's explanation of the solution we believe it's the heart. We're going to talk about that. But I just want to say the solution is the gospel, is the freeing power of Christ. And, and so many bookends of the Bible talks about freedom and how we're supposed to live. But the, probably the most popular verse in any Christian addiction recovery is, is going to be 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says, If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Bruce, what's one of your verse favorite verses or verse that just points to this freedom concept the uh, the solution to addiction yeah well first of all i i think a lot of our perception of who god is and his character and his love mm. uh i know for me i i thought god was this punishing god that he you know was just very angry all the time at my behavior and other people's and you know i was always facing his wrath or some sort of consequence to uh, the way I was living my life. And, and yeah, I'd heard all about the love of God, that kind of thing. But what I didn't understand, and one of my favorite verses is Ezekiel uh, 3.10 that says, I do not want you to die, says the Lord, turn and live. Mm. And so his plans, in Jeremiah 29.11, it says, my, my, my plans for you are of a peace and a future, not of destruction. And so we have to first look at the truth of who God is and what his desire is for us and that he wants us to live. He wants us to have joy. He wants us to have peace and rest in our life. But it is uh, a changing of the heart. We have to change our perspective about what God's intention is for us and and what his plan is for us so that we can have a trust we first have to start with this trust that, you know, God is with me. He's not against me. Uh, and I think that for for many people who call themselves Christians have not even figured that out yet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the just, just I'm, I'm telling you, the theme of the Bible is, uh, again, we're going to hear a biblical worldview on the show. And, and, the, and it's the answer. It's the answer. And how can I say that with authorities? Because I'm sitting here talking to you about it. And I was a dope fiend. Right. And I'm not anymore. And I tried it my way. I tried it other ways. So I have I feel like I have authority to say to speak on it, not my own, but what God's brought me through. My story. Well, hey, you know, uh, Revelations twelve eleven says by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony is what we shall overcome is how we overcome this world. And and yeah, so your testimony has a lot of value. Uh, I mean, it's compared to the same value of Christ dying on the cross. Mm. Uh, so. Yeah, don't discount that. It's it's why we're doing this podcast. Right. It's, you know, we're trying to share. So if, if we're saying the solution, 
We, we gave the problem. We've been giving the solution. There's bookends of Scripture of God wanting to you to live and turn, and there's all these action points that we'll talk about in other episodes. Just freedom. If you're where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's freedom, 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 freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, how can you say that about addiction? Well, because we identified the problem as being idolatry, right? We've mm-hmm. identified the problem as, as sin, Blocking us from the glory of God, sin entering our hearts, doing anything that anything that you put over God and the glory state of God can be sin, even if it's not something that bad. And so the answer is that Christ came to decimate sin, right? He came to conquer sin, to provide atonement for sin. And so by default, the answer has to be found in Christ, right? Absolutely. And and I'm going to say something that's going to be radical here. Come on with it. All right? The problem, the solution, rather, is is not a medical one. Whoa. Yeah. Come on. And, and I'm sorry. I'm not saying that, that medicine hasn't done a lot for recognizing and breaking stigmas of addiction. But there, there, there is a solution to it, and it, it's not lifelong. It's not a cancer. It, you're, we're not looking for remission here. We're looking for full recovery. And, sure. And God has the ability to do all things through Christ. All things are possible. And like I said before in the first episode, this is not a surprise to God. There have been people struggling with this type of thing since time began. So uh, the the solution has to be seen in a, in a supernatural way That's right. uh, because uh, whatever it is that man can come up with is never going to be enough. The Bible says flesh can do nothing. That's right. And so, yeah, I can apply all kinds of practices of medicine and these types of things, and it's just never going to be the answer. That's absolutely 100% right. And let me just kind of give a disclaimer that Bruce and I both believe so someone doesn't hear us say something that we're not. The medical world is absolutely crucial to helping this epidemic of addiction. In fact, if someone has battled with alcohol for years and they've been drinking, we don't we they can't come straight to our program because we're not a medical program. There's dangers of withdrawing from alcohol. There's seizures. There's uh, and benzos, and so there is a medical piece to it. But the problem is, is that's what people think the whole piece is. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're talking about maybe five, ten days at most, something like that, to mm-hmm. detox. And then that's when you're going to start learning on about how to live a life of freedom. Mm-hmm. It's not at that 10-day mark when the chemicals are no longer in your system anymore and you're mm-hmm. safe to be discharged. We absolutely agree that that's necessary. But that's 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 almost like, hey, let me get you ready to go and learn on how to to not do this. Because, I mean, absolutely. how many times and, have you been And we definitely do not recommend anybody just going cold turkey depending on the type of drugs right. that you're addicted to. It's very dangerous. Uh, so there is a physical aspect to how the medical industry helps in this way, but it does not change the heart. Because that's spiritual. Exactly. What does the Bible say? We do not battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against spiritual things, principalities, right. cosmic things. So as you could tell, Bruce and I are very passionate <laughs> about this, man. And it seems like we just got started, but this is uh, we want to make sure that we have time for question in our first Podcast question comes from Ryan from Alabama, and here's his question. What are some things I can do to find peace in times of trial? The Bible says I'm supposed to consider it joy when I face trials or I'm persecuted, 
but I can't even stay calm in traffic. <laughs> well, good question. And I think traffic is probably <laughs> something that we all struggle with. I, I'd like to answer that question because first and foremost, I want to say that we have to look at all of God's word. Yeah. We can't just take one part of it and have an expectation on that. And the Bible also says that nobody enjoys the trial when they're in it. And the promise is, and the reason why Paul tells us to have joy is, is, is because of the promise that there, there will be a, an, an answer, that we have hope. We have hope, that real hope, that, that this won't last. And, and this is a, a trial that's meant to grow us, strengthen us. And so we can find joy in the trial knowing that the outcome is going to be growth. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that to complement that in God's word, I mean, you, you, you discuss scripture of trials and we just finished up saying that this isn't a, a physical fight. It's a spiritual one. And, mm-hmm. and God's word is called a sword. If you go and read in Ephesians six, the armor of God, there's all these defensive weapons that are offered. There's a, a shield, a breastplate, a helmet, shoes, and then there's one offensive and it's his word. And so you're getting in these word during these trials, but, uh, Ryan, you mentioned the word peace, and that that just is so true. We need peace. And you heard Bruce talking about peace uh, in episode one when it came to um, PTSD and addiction. And um, I I would say this, and I'm not going to give a generic answer, but in Philippians 4, uh, we hear it says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's very hard to imagine, and, and but then it gives the answer. But in everything, through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and then what does it say happens? Through that prayer, through that supplication, through that seeking God, then the peace from God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Doesn't mean it removes you from that. Doesn't mean that you're not going to feel... Um, the things that you feel in these trials, whether it be mourning, sadness, anger, frustration, but there is a peace that surpasses our understanding. And when I hear that, I think, man, that the, the medical, the psychological uh, doctors, there's no explanation for why this man is peaceful right now. Yeah. And I, you know, Jesus said, the peace I give, not what the world gives, right. but what I give. And so it is a different kind of peace. It surpasses understanding. We can't, we don't really know how to even explain this type of peace. It just happens. And it doesn't mean, like you said, that my, my circumstance is going away or, or the things that I'm in trial with are going away. But I have this hope. I have this hope that that things are going to be okay and, and, and I'm not going to be destroyed and my, I'm not going to be ruined because of these things. And, and therefore, the hope is that we will overcome. And, and uh, But the, 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 the best part of that. And what Ryan's alluding to is, man, how do I find during the trial uh, this sense of being able to relax and not be overwhelmed by it? And there's some things we could say, and and you used a perfect scripture verse that that talks about supplication and prayer and thanksgiving. The Bible says that, you know, we, we can't be held captive to these types of thoughts. So whatever it is, that you're going through that's, that's keeping you focused on the thing that's, that's robbing you of the peace, God says, look, no, turn your thoughts to these things. Be thankful. Uh, be in gratitude of the things that you already have. Be in prayer and ask God. Ask God. I think sometimes, one of the things I, I think sometimes as Christians even, we, we don't understand 
the ask. Like we, we don't know really how to approach God in just simple talk. God wants a relationship with us. He doesn't want a two-way radio type of hello and goodbye type thing, you know. And one of the things I learned in my recovery is, man, I can just simply approach God and say, God, you promised. Mm. <laughs> you said <laughs> that if I reached out to you during these times that you would provide a solution for that. And so my expectation is I'm just sitting here waiting. Mm. And 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 when we when we do that, obviously with reverence to God and how we speak to him, but right. but God will provide that peace that surpasses understanding. And you and you'll you'll notice like when you go to the word or when you start singing a hymn or you turn the radio to something or you call a friend who who's a godly person. I mean, those thoughts that you're having, that that anxiety that you're feeling, it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I there's an example. Uh, that I like to share, uh, just about how this is. I've seen this in action, this peace in times that there shouldn't have, or it doesn't make sense that there is peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in Bruce and I's line of work, uh, the sad reality is is that uh, men lose their lives to this. That's why we're doing this. It's serious. Uh, we just gave stats, uh, and so a lot of times we'll be asked to do a funeral. And, and I remember very specifically, there's two funerals uh, for early 20 year olds and mm-hmm. I'm at the funeral and there's a mother, uh, this, this son's mother who absolutely is just hysterical. And I expect to see that when, when a mother's burying a 22, 23, 24 year old, I expected to see that at a funeral. Mother is hysterical, crying, can't control herself, screaming. I'm trying to officiate this funeral and it's hard cause I knew this person, uh, and, and so there's that. And then on the other hand, I'm, I'm at another funeral uh, for another guy, same age. Mother has this piece about her that didn't make sense, was not happy or joyful. She was sad. She was mourning, but she had a piece about her. And here's what I know. I don't know much about the mother that was uh, hysterical. I just, I don't know. I didn't have a great relationship with her, so I don't know much about her. But what one thing I absolutely knew about the mother that had peace was that she was what you call a prayer warrior, mm-hmm. quote unquote. I'm talking about she would text asking what the ministry needed to be prayed for, even get asking for specifics. I want to pray for your vehicles. I want to pray for your staff. Uh, and just always saying she's praying. So I knew that she's a prayer warrior. And so the scripture says through prayer, supplication and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace from God. So I, I, I could just relate that, that she wasn't happy. She was sad. She was mourning. She was going through this trial. But she had a peace that I didn't understand in that time. And, man, that just is the best example I can give of that That's scripture. Good. That's really good. And, man, I, I have not yet experienced in the two years I've been working in this ministry uh, a, free, a funeral yet. But what I have experienced is that phone call. Yeah. Of somebody being found in a dumpster mm. or on the side of the street yeah. or uh, finding somebody in a hotel room or apartment just uh, face down. And, uh, man, it, when, when you, when you hear these things, it's just, it's, it's hard to, to deal with that because you knew that person. You, you poured into that person's life for over a period of time and then you hear this news. And I, I want to say this because I think that what the, the world, in, in this pursuit of happiness, uh, has this false expectation that, uh, and I think maybe Ryan, and I know Ryan, so I know that he's not like this, but uh, 
because Ryan was an alumni. He's an alumni. He came through our program, and so he's asked him this question from Alabama. But it's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn. In fact, there's a whole book in the Bible talking about lamentations. Yeah. It's, it's how to mourn, how to feel sad, how to grieve. That's right. This pursuit of happiness and this idea that I'm always supposed to be happy, and then mm-hmm. if I'm not, there's something wrong. That's not biblical. That's you right. know, God says, look, there's a peace that you can have even while you're mourning and you're grieving, or even when you're angry. And and that's the kind of peace that helps us to realize where we're at in that situation and that we're not ruined, we're not destroyed, that, that, that you know, we have a hope in something that's bigger than the, than the circumstance we're in. That's good. And that's something that I think we, we're going to touch on. We need to touch on more of that in the next episodes about maybe this expectation of mm-hmm. me feeling happy and good, you know, yeah. uh, and, and we'll get to that behavior modification versus heart change. Uh, mm-hmm. But guys, that's it. You've, you've made it through second episode again, info at spring, the numeral two life.net. That's info at spring to life.net with your questions. Um, Rock it out. God bless. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.